Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. We're so excited you're tuning into one of our amazing messages. What you're about to hear is going to be fresh, it's going to be real, and it's going to be powerful. It's going to help you to grow stronger in your walk with God. It's going to put faith on the inside of you. It's going to cause you to be able to walk in greater dimensions of blessing and enlargement so that you can be a blessing to other people. Well, lean in, enjoy the word. God bless you. This morning, I just want to um, kind of speak into a little bit of um, <clears throat> what's going on. <clears throat> Excuse me, what's going on and... My goal is always to try to use staff meetings as um, a morning to empower and equip, but at the same time inform of behind the veil, the, the big picture, what's going on. And uh, what, one of the things that I've, I've, I've found a little bit of a struggle, Pastor Jesse, is people wearing masks unnecessarily. And it's like, you know, even this morning, you know, put your mask over your nose to, to children. And uh, even though, number one, there is not one piece of scientific data that shows that the mask can protect you from the virus, that the, the, the pores in a mask are... 300 times smaller than the smallest pore in your mask is the, the virus. So the mask virtually does nothing. But yet people, and I just felt the Holy Spirit say, because I was thinking, oh, okay, well, no faith, no faith, no faith, no faith. God actually said in the title of my message this morning is believer. Believer. No, they, he says they do have faith. They don't have no faith. They do have faith. It's just misplaced. Their, their, their faith is in a piece of cloth, that this piece of cloth will keep them safe. <clears throat> and how did they get there? They got there because they heard words. Men spoke words. Dr. Fauci, Fauci, Fauci spoke words. The CDC, the, the, the mainstream media spoke words. They heard those words. And so they put faith in these things. Our job in our city is to, to shift people's faith to Jesus Christ. Did you know that everybody has faith? The, the Bible says that God has given to us a measure of faith. The reason every single one of us have faith or the reason that every single one of us uh, is a believer, even an atheist says, I don't believe in anything. Will you believe in a nihilistic worldview? You, you, you dig down deep enough, they believe that if there was a God, why are bad things happening? If, if, you know, if there is a God, he's unjust. And I believe that the universe just you know, evolved by itself or was always, you know, that everybody believes something. <clears throat> People that get on a plane believe that a hollow metal tube weighing hundreds of tons with wings can fly. <clears throat> Excuse me. When you sit on a chair, you believe that that chair is going to hold your weight. Like you were created to believe. You were created to believe. When, when, God, when God speaks, we were created to believe God. We were created to believe his word. Faith is the believing of God's word. <coughs> Man, I've got a tickle in my throat. But anyway, let me, let me keep going. So <coughs> if I was honest with you, there are, there are two... There are two um, 
schools. There are two ideologies. There are, there are two worldviews. <coughs> Thank you, Becky. I think I'm going to need that. <coughs> Bloody Omicron. Mm. Oh, that's nice. What is that? CBD? Well, well if, if that's CBD, let's turn to Ezekiel. Ezekiel start making sense with some CBD. Dude, I totally understand the wheels within wheels. Everything comes down to literally these two statements. God has said, has God said. You can, you can divide the entire world up into God has said and has God said. Socialism, which is being pushed. The reason, the reason that you'll find in, in our church that we have, we have no problem speaking into every fabric of society, speaking into education, because we believe, that, you know, like Whitney Houston used to sing, that the children are our future. Love them well and let them lead the way. Show them all the beauty they possess inside. Give them a, you know, it's, it's like you, you can sing it, but, but the, the, the perverts, the predators, go after our children to defile them because they have a, a wicked intention for the future. So we need to protect that. So you better believe we get involved in education. We get involved in the political realm because when we, when we study the world and when we look at history, when we look over our shoulder or look in the rearview mirror, we see in history that everywhere socialism has been tried, and this is what socialism is, and this is why... Because fools will tell you that Jesus was a socialist. <coughs> Jesus was not a socialist because he said, take the one from the guy who did nothing and give it to the guy with 10. They're like, Lord, he's already got 10. That's right. To him who has, more will be given. To him who does not have, and then take the wicked, lazy servant and cast him out. That doesn't sound like socialism to me. Socialism is man's trust in man. The reason Donald Trump was a threat was because he said that in this country, it's faith, family, freedom. That we don't put our trust in government, we put our trust in God. When, when Satan said to Eve, has God really said... The next thing he said to her was, darling, disconnect from trusting God for your future and put your trust in self, put your trust in man, put your trust in what your hand can bring. Reach out and you take from the tree what the arm of man, unless man brings it to you, you don't have it. Whereas Jesus kept saying, it is written, it is written. It is written. It is written. In, in fact, in, he didn't just say, hey, God has said. 
He says, not only has God said it, but we recorded it. Let me read it to you, devil, just to remind you. We're not just the people who believe what God said. We wrote it down and we teach it to our children and our children's children and our children's children's children because we, we're going to raise a, a light in the world to show the rest of the world what a nation looks like that has faith in God. That's why the Jewish race has been so persecuted more than any other nation in the world. <coughs> so there are two ideologies, a couple of scriptures. The first one is 2 Corinthians 4.18. 2 Corinthians 4.18 says, While we do not look at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things unseen. Faith is the evidence of things unseen. This last weekend, we did um, vision. Vision is so important. Pastor Samuel will tell you that one of my delights, one of my great delights is that on Vision Sunday in our church, we, we don't get up, Leanne and I don't get up with our goal to tell you the vision of the church and ask you to remove your eyes and have no other vision but our vision. <coughs> that happens in many places where this is the vision of the church. And if you have any vision that contradicts that vision, you know, that's da vision. And that's, you know, where we get division. And that's not how we operate. There's a saying that the one-eyed man, or the one yeah, the one-eyed man is king amongst the blind. We don't want to be kings of the blind. <coughs> I'd rather be a leader of visionaries People that can see with both eyes. People that have got 20, 20 vision. People that can see the future. People that can see the outcome. So it's so important that every single one of you have a vision card. Because vision is the intersection of where you're believing your faith connects with God. Jesus says, when I return, we'll really find faith in the earth. A woman touched Jesus and power went out of Jesus and there was a crowd thronging him. Jesus said, hang on, stop, stop. Somebody touched me. Who touched me? And, and the disciples were like, Lord, you see the crowd. Like their answer was like, dude, everyone. He's like, no, no, no. Somebody touched me. People were pouring at me, but somebody touched me with faith because I felt virtue leave my body. Who was the one that received the power? Even though everybody touched me, one person grabbed me in faith because I felt power leave my... And the woman said, as soon as I touched you, the 12-year issue of, of blood flow instantly ceased. And he says, daughter, your faith has made you whole. Faith is the intersection where God's power flows. The greatest thing we can do in San Diego is put faith in people. Faith cometh, Romans 10, 17. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. <coughs> you, have, <coughs> you have a believing mechanism on the inside. This morning, uh, Pastor Samuel was talking about how our, our Bible reading this morning, we could have preached a million different facets. Well, it's interesting. Genesis 11 says, Now all the people had one language and one speech. They had one language and one speech. And they began to build the Tower of Nimrod. 
or the Tower of Babel. And then God came down and confused the language. And the Bible says that they, oh, thank you so much. The Bible says that they, they, uh, they stopped building. Didn't say that they abandoned the project. They just stopped building so they can regather and refigure out. That, that's why the enemy goes after Facebook and Twitter because they want one language. They want one narrative. The biblical narrative, the narrative of truth affects their, they want one language and one speech. So they go after language and speech. They go after anything that contradicts. They want one language, one world government, one world order, one world. It's all one language and, and one speech. So when people hear those words, it, it, it brings people under a cloud of deception. So our job in our city is to preach the truth. Is, is, to, is to preach the good news of the gospel. And, and I love that Jesus didn't just say, hey, go and preach the truth. He says, go and preach the gospel. Go and preach the God spell. Bring people under a God spell. Bring people under the good news, the good news of the gospel. The good news of the gospel is he hung on a cross so that your sins can be forgiven. Jesus said, just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so too must the Son of Man be lifted up. When Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, there were fiery serpents among the people because of their rebellion. And when they were bit by the serpents, the hematoxins, the poisons began to kill the people. And so people that tied tourniquets, tried to save themselves, died. But the Bible says God got Moses to make a bronze serpent. Bronze is always judgment in Scripture. I'm going to judge the serpent on a pole. And lift it up. And Jesus says, I'm going to be that bronze serpent. All the sin of Satan is going to be, I'm going to become sin. I'm not going to just take on sin. I will become the judgment. The judgment of God, the entire judgment for the sin of humanity will come upon me. And in the same way that Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so too must the Son of Man be lifted up. That whosoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. And so our job is to get people to believe that when Yeshua, when Jesus hung on that cross, he was hanging, absorbing the judgment that your sin and my sins deserved so that in exchange we could have freedom, we could have deliverance, we could have healing, we could have salvation, we could have everlasting life because of what Jesus did. And so our job is to preach faith. So I love, I love the, they're, they're a prosperity church at that church. Have you seen Lance and Alicia's new house? They offered 1.777777 and 77. And the people took it and it's, it's a house. It's, a, you know, and Lance was bragging. He's like, yeah, yeah, Pastor Hughes, my house is unlike Dr. Matt's. I've got an FAA approved helipad, Dr. Matt. So. So you know what Dr. Matt's going to be? He's going to have an now. airport at his place now. <laughs> I'm, not sure if you've, I'm not sure if you've been out to Hubbard Manor. It's, it's hard to miss. You can see it from the moon. And um, <clears throat> Hubbard Ranch. And, and, and the truth is, the truth is, you know, some, some will say, well, do they need... Well, does God need to have the streets paved with gold in heaven? Where do you get that mentality from? But I've got to tell you, the, the transition of leadership, it was faith that started the journey. 
the, the faith of a couple hearing from God, he, getting all kinds of contrary counsel, which was well-meaning. Why would you go to California? Nobody knows you in San Diego. Start here. You've got family. You've got support structures. We'll, we'll even fund it. People offering us money. Stay in Australia. But no, we knew we heard from God. So we take three little boys. It began in faith. Every building, every victory that has come has come in faith. I would be a fool if I thought, well, you know, God, we've got it from here. We don't really need you anymore. No, no, we've got human intellect. We've got, we've got people that have graduated from Yale, from Harvard, from Oxford. And they've got management skills. God, we only needed your Bible till we got education. The Bible is wonderful for the uneducated masses. But now, no, no, no. The same faith that it took to birth is the same faith that it takes to sustain. The same faith that took the ground is the same faith that maintains a ground, that develops a ground, that takes more ground. So I love hearing Mike Yagi get up and say, this was on our vision card. This is what we're believing God for. I, I, I want all of our pastors. I, I remember last year when, when um, Samuel and Katie, was it last year? Was it 2021? Harmony Grove? 2020. So it's coming up almost two years. I remember they, when Samuel came from Seattle with his beautiful bride and his two little beautiful daughters, when they came, there was no salary here. He had offers to go here and offers to go there and take a church there and a salary there but they felt like no what God had for them in the faith journey and so out of compassion because you know sometimes there's a little bit of and I'm like oh, I, I want to and God's like don't send them any money I'm like oh, what what do you mean don't send him any money like God stop it and he's like I'm 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 about to I'm about to birth something in them that you, that you can't get from a college degree. At a college degree, you'll get a certificate you can put on your wall. Its frame's got a little ribbon on it. It's got some ink, some signatures. But the things of the kingdom don't hang on walls. <clears throat> so they were literally down to their last, and I'm probably going to get this wrong, and were praying. And, and I think Samuel said to his wife and his girls that, you know, that God can, can do miracles and that God can provide groceries. And they went to the front door and opened the front door and there was an entire week's groceries sitting at the front door. God confirming, son, you're in the right place. I am your provider. When God took the children of Israel out of Egypt, he took them out of Egypt, but he didn't take them straight into the promised land. I want you to notice he took them through a wilderness. He took them through a wilderness. The Bible says he could have taken them through the land of Philistia, which was shorter. But God looked at them and says, no, they're not ready for warfare yet, lest they see warfare and they return to Egypt. But we know in the desert they kept piping off about going back to Egypt. But God said it's very, very important because for 400 years they've been under communism. For 400 years... A man has determined whether they live or they die. A man has determined the status of their living, the quality of their living. They, they lived on a, almost like a, a social welfare program. And God says, I've got to break the spirit. That's why when Moses got, gets to the Red Sea and the Egyptians are coming up behind them and the people are freaking out, which is normal. 
because you'll think, well, there's an impasse in front of us and the most powerful army in the world is coming up behind us. This doesn't look good. The Bible says that the people said, hey, come, let us choose a leader and go back to Egypt. What? 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 Why not just go back to Egypt? Because their faith wasn't in God, their faith was in man. So God took them through, through the wilderness. God took them through the desert where there was no shade during the day, no warmth when the temperatures drop at night. There's no running water. There's no stores. There's no Costco. There's no shops, no tacos. They didn't have Taco Tuesdays out there. It, it, it's a desert. And God was doing that to say, to show them that the world that you live in is empty. And if you'll take your eyes from the world, if you'll take your eyes from what's on your left and right, God says to Isaac in time of famine, Genesis 26, and Isaac thought to go down to Egypt. God says, you can go down to Egypt and sow down there and put your trust in the local temporary economy. Or you can stay in the land of famine with me and sow here. And the Bible says that Isaac chose to stay in that land. And the Bible says in that year, he sowed in that land. And when he sowed in that land, he reaped 100 fold. So the man began to prosper, continued prospering and became so prosperous. So I don't believe the prosperity gospel. God put three versions of the word prosper in one freaking sentence. The man began to prosper, continued prospering and became so prosperous that the Philistines envied him because God was showing us that you are better off with God in a desert than you are in the finest fields of Egypt under man. So we knew when God was calling us to San Diego that, that, and I felt the Holy Spirit say that you can stay in Sydney or you can stay in Australia, plant a church in Australia. And yes, you'll probably have 500 people on your first Sunday because you've got reputation. He says, but you'll always limp in the things of the kingdom because you will have built and established the strength of your church on the reputation of men, the arm of men, the influence of men. He says, but if you go to San Diego where you know nobody, then what will be built won't be built on you. It won't be built by your wisdom, your intellect, your skill, your profile. Your What will be built will be a move of God that you won't be able to take credit for, but you'll love being a part of. You'll love looking around and when people say, man, I love your church. You, you know deep down it's his church. We just kind of get to, to, to be on the ship together. It's like a carnival cruise. I mean, it's, it's awesome. And so, so it's, it's about faith. Isaac had that faith because of Abraham. Abraham, the Bible says in, in uh, Genesis 17 verse 1, God appears to Abraham and he says to, to Abraham, he says, I am almighty God. Walk before me and be blameless. Except when you read the Hebrew, it doesn't say I am almighty God. The Hebrew, God says, I am El Shaddai. Walk before me and be blameless. 
Up until that time, God was known as at first Elohim. And then after that, yud uh, vav you know, where we say Yahweh or Yehovah. Um, but God was revealing his identity, revealing his character. And in Genesis 17 verse 1, Abraham has this encounter with God. Abraham is 99. Sarai is 89. And God says to him, I am El Shaddai. El Shaddai means the self-sustaining one, the all-sufficient one. In other words, I'm the source of everything. If you're looking to the beginning of the universe and science has now, despite the atheist scientists who tried to believe there were the universe was eternal and always existed. They've now come to the point where they realize the Big Bang, the universe had a beginning because it's expanding from. So therefore it goes back, it had a beginning. And they don't want to believe that there's a beginning because that means an, somebody outside of the universe had to begin the universe, which is evidence of God. So, so God says to, to Abraham, he's 99, he says, I am El Shaddai. I am the source of all life. I am the all-sufficient one. I create everything. This is important because Abraham has been believing his whole life because his name Abram means exalted father. He even, have to, he even had to pass off Lot, his nephew, as though that was his kid. But when people learned, oh, that's your brother's son. Your name is exalted father, but you haven't been able to father. And the Bible says this. It says that because remember, he sleeps with Hagar and has Ishmael. So there's nothing wrong with Abraham's seed. But the woman that he married, the woman that he was in covenant with, Sarai, the Bible says, but Sarah, Sarai was barren. Sarai was barren. God doesn't say to Abraham, divorce her and get somebody else. Abraham and Sarah is a picture of you and I. It's a picture of you and I. Because he's the two, when two people get married, the two become one. When, when two people get married, the two become one flesh. So Abraham is one with Sarah, unable to produce life. You, without God, are unable to produce eternal life. You are barren to bring forth eternal life. You cannot save yourself. But when Abraham comes to El Shaddai, the all-sufficient one, and God says to him in Genesis 17 verse 1, I am El Shaddai, walk before me and be blameless. And we're going to change your name to Abraham. And we're going to change her name to Sarah. This time next year, you're going to have a son. The Bible says Abraham believed God. Romans 4 says he didn't count the deadness of his own body nor the deadness of Sarah's womb. Now watch this. God could have clicked his fingers and put a baby in Sarah's womb. This was never about a baby. This was never about a barren womb. This was never about... Um, uh, this, this was never about broken reproductive organs. This, it was never about that. It was about Abraham, contrary to all hope, in hope believing. It was all about Abraham giving birth not to a son, 
but giving birth to a son of promise, giving birth to a son of faith. God was trying to put faith into the world. Because the just shall live by faith. Jesus, when I return, will really find faith. Jesus, whoever believes, doesn't say whosoever behaves. Every other religion is about behavior. Christianity is believing. Whosoever believes will not perish, but have a, whoever believes in me will have the light of life. He will, it's about believing. So what God did was he, he located a man who at 99 with his wife, 89, would still believe God. So much so that he changes his name. So when people are like Abram, he's like, oh, correction, name change. I used to be Abram, exalted father, but from now on call me father of many nations. From now on call me father of multitudes. God just changed my name, Abraham, father of people. Do you know how many people mocked him? How many people call him a conspiracy theorist? How many relationships, how many people thought he was? But the Bible says Abraham believed God. And the Bible says, and Sarah conceives. She brings forth Yitzhak. She brings forth Isaac. She brings forth a son of promise. But he's carrying in his DNA a faith that when everyone else is going down to Egypt, he has something on the inside. He doesn't need to go down to Egypt. He has the same faith that is in Jacob. He has the same faith that's in Joseph. So that when Joseph, in the worst famine that ever hit the Middle East, when Joseph is thrown into a pit by his brothers, sold to the Ishmaelites who take him down to Egypt and sell him again to Potiphar, that he's, he's abandoned, he's now a slave, 30 pieces of silver. And then when Potiphar's wife thinks, I own you, slave boy, run my bath, slave boy, hop into my bed and get it warm for me. He's like, I ain't doing that. And you know the story, she entraps him. He runs out, leaves his coat in her hand to save her life. She screams rape. Otherwise, she's gone. She knows she's got us. And he says nothing. He goes into a dungeon, into a prison. But the Bible says that even in the prison, the word of the Lord tried Joseph. Even in the prison, when it looked like the dream is dead, He had faith. He had faith that the God who gave him the dream of the sheaves, the God who gave him the dream of the sun, the moon, and the stars bowing down to him, that God is a faithful God. He, he, in his head, if you sat down with him, he could say, it seems crazy. I, I, I don't know. It's not from my head. It's not from my emotions. When I get emotional, I feel abandoned. I feel wounded. I feel... He goes, but there's something on the inside of me that I can't trace, that I can't put my finger on. I just believe it's because Abraham birthed more than a son. He brought a faith into the world, a supernatural faith into the world. The assignment of awaken is to open these scriptures. The Bible talks about rightly dividing the word of God, which means you can wrongly divide it. My job, the Bible says, if there are three that remain faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love. So the measure that I look at and, you know, people say to me, hey, uh, do you broadcast to all your campuses? No, no, we have 
speakers. Oh, 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 you send your notes to your campus pastors. No, I don't send any notes to my campus. Oh, oh, they send their notes to you and you. I said, they don't send their notes to me. Uh, you, you see their the, the brain you know, wanting to explode. I said, all, all I do is I, I'll go through and I'll watch their, their, their preaching. And most, of the, a lot of times, like when we had six weeks off, I loved coming and sitting on the front row and cheering them on. Best preachers. Have you ever heard Sterling preach? Unbelievable. Marissa Smith, unbelievable. Samuel Duth, I mean, the, now I'm in trouble. The whole freaking front row, unbelievable. But I'm telling you, when I listen, Cat Sullivan did an offering message two weeks ago. Shut the gate. Unbelievable. But he, here's, here's my measure, faith, hope, and love. Faith, hope, and love. People leave and they got faith. Faith is innocent. Let me just finish on, on this because time's right up right now. How many people know Jesus says, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, which seems crazy because mountain's big and mustard seed's small. Many years ago, when I was a naughty mechanical engineer in training, they, they would give me one of the jobs was overhead crane inspections. So if you imagine I'm working in a warehouse that the ceiling is about maybe two or three times this size, and they had like uh, rail rails on either side and they had a crane and the crane would pick up you know tons of metal from one end and then take it down to where that you know these guys would weld it and then we'd go over here and then go to the machine shop and they'd machine and then go over here to polishing then they'd go over to the finishing section then it'd go onto the cargo ship it was all done with overhead cranes well those overhead cranes because they're carrying loads um the, the wheels wear and so my job was to go up there and check the wheels now if i turned I had to go to the electricians. I have to turn the power off because there's the, the thing that drives the thing is this 240,000 volt electricity thing. So if I turn all the power off, I had four of these that I had to do. It would take me around about an hour and a half, hour and 45. So let's write off two hours. So an eight hour day gone. However, I would throw my surfboard in my car. And I could do them in half an hour if I risked the 240,000 volts, which I know, but I was young and stupid, right? So, which meant that I could get it all done in a couple of hours, go down to the beach. I remember, anyway, and so, so I, I'm doing this a few times and, you know, the things, because it's moving, see, so you, you know, you're meant to stop it, shut everything down, you know, the whole process. And uh, so you're on there on the moving. And then you've literally got like maybe three feet where you've got to go along the wall. And if you, it's game over. So I'm doing this and surfing, coming back, my hair's wet. And one of the, one of the older guys, one of the older guys tells me the story. And he said, what had happened about seven or eight years earlier was there was a guy and he had, I'm, I'm not sure what we call it over here, it's, in Australia, we call it a shifting spanner, a crescent spanner. It's an adjustable spanner. Where you could... Crescent wrench. He had a crescent wrench in his back pocket. Crescent wrench in his back pocket. And he's on the thing, and he's walking along like this. And just the tip of the metal crescent wrench hit the 240,000-volt wall. And he was like fried. So when Jesus says... If you have faith as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, 
what we do is we look at the tip of the crescent head. We look at the, the, the it wasn't about the, it wasn't about the crescent head. It was about the 240. It's about the, the, the almighty God. It is about I am El Shaddai. I am almighty God. Our job, people will walk in broken. People walk in destitute. People will walk in hurting. People will walk in, some of them will walk in, they've lost or they've been losing. But when they come into this house, our job is to put faith in there. Enough faith that to, when they connect it with 240,000 volts with Almighty God, that power flows to them to bring them life. Somebody say amen. Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com. Or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.